Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they lived in another city around the world. And this week we're traveling to South Africa and I spoke with a wonderful human being who started a nonprofit local soccer club in his area for underprivileged kids. And he's going to share that experience. And he's going to share a lot of detail about youth soccer in South Africa. So I look forward to you guys listening to that show. And this show is brought to you in part by Anytime Soccer Training. Anytime Soccer Training is the only training app that has over 1,000 100% follow-along training videos and over 101 fun soccer games. As a matter of fact, I don't know if people really appreciate what 1,000 training videos looks like, but it's really a step-by-step, one-move-per-five-minute video program that culminates into larger, um, longer videos, about 10 minutes. And these skills are then utilized throughout the entire spectrum of various soccer drills. So if you work on a V-pool in the ball mastery, then you're going to work on a V-pool in the turns, then you're going to work on a V-pool in the 1v1, and then you're going to work on the V-pool in the passing, then you're going to work on V-pool in the, in the um, rebounder, then you're going to work on V-pool in the dribbling section, and all of that is done intentionally. And not only does the program have all of this training content that's 100% follow along, we have added and we're constantly adding challenges. We just started adding challenges in the ball mastery. Then next week, we're adding challenges in the figure eight, and we're going to go on and go on and go on. And the challenges are simple. They are a way for your child to practice the skill at first and then try to beat their personal um, best. And it's just a way for you guys to get your kids moving as quickly as they can without you having to stress them out or try to force them to do so. And so I encourage you to check out www.anytime-soccer.com to learn more about what we do and also join the mailing list and we'll send you um, seven uh, challenge videos as part of the program so you can kind of see how it all works. Okay, so now let's get on to the show. And in the challenges we talked about, it's a good segue into today's show. And today's show is going to be a very quick and dirty show, um, not part of the regular programming. This is one of those shows that I'm creating specifically for the parents of the children that I work with in my local area, okay? So this show, I'm going to send to my the parents of the children I work with who for the most part, you guys are just my friends anyway. So I'm kind of like talking to my friends via the podcast. You guys can listen to it at your own time. And I'm inviting our loyal listeners, you know, just to listen along as you will. Okay. So one of my favorite movies is um, a movie called Casino. I'm sure most of you guys, I love gangster films. And within that movie, there's a famous line by one of my favorite actors, I think it's Joe Pesci, where 
I think he plays Nikki in this particular one. I think it's Nikki. But the bottom line is there's a scene in there where he's talking to a banker who owes him some money. Well, the banker doesn't owe him money, but he thinks the banker owes him money. And he sits down with the banker and says, I think, I think it's time. Let me explain to you what it is that I do. And that's kind of what I want to do with the parents of the children that, that I work with. I want to explain to you what it is that I do. Now, many of you may think that I train your kids in soccer, right? That's probably what many of you think. It's a very transactional thing. I am here to train your kids in soccer. And some of that happens, hopefully, but that's not actually what it is that I do. That may be, that is part of what I do. It may be the part of what I do that you're interested in, but hopefully by the end of this podcast, I'm going to convince you that you're missing the most important part of what it is that at least what it is that I'm trying to do. Okay. So if you listen to earlier podcasts and I'll share these in the show notes, um, I happen to be what I call a parent trainer. And that's a, that's a parent who, uh, who doesn't outsource, who believes in the power of deliberate practice and doesn't outsource hundred percent of their child's development to someone else. And you have to listen to earlier podcasts to, to really get that good context, but I'm a parent trainer. And in addition to a parent trainer, and I talked about this in other podcasts, and I don't want to say this in a conceited way, this is just, just how I see things. I am a professional, right? I'm a professional who has happens to take an interest in soccer and then took a further interest in soccer training because I wanted to help my own sons. So my whole orientation is someone from the outside looking at soccer as just, you know, not as a sport or not fuzzy, warm feeling. I'm not like a former player or a coach who's passionate about the game, even though I am passionate about the game, I enjoy the game. I'm not passionate about sharing soccer knowledge with any particular child, even though, you know, there's some of that, but I'm really more of a professional who says, okay, there are a set of challenges that I didn't see, that I haven't seen addressed. And so I'm going to go ahead and tackle these challenges as it relates to my own children. And hopefully if you're in my local area and you're my friends, you have seen some of the results of that. And then you have said to me, hey, I want you to help my children, hopefully. And, but the challenge I always have is what I do with my children. Yes, it's soccer training, but I'm hoping it's much, much more than that. So what are some of the problems that I saw as a, again, quote unquote, professional who is looking at this thing? Well, my boys are in the States, right? And I knew that in order for them to be good at soccer or relatively good at soccer, they needed to get a lot of touches, right? But the problem is you don't get enough touches in a team environment. And this is no knock on a club or a coach. It's just mathematically not possible. So you don't get enough touches in a team environment. And then there are not enough 
free play opportunities. And culturally, there is too many other things for people to do in the States uh, for you to get these touches at home. There is too many entertainment options. That's a fancy way of saying my sons are not going to be spending eight hours playing soccer on the beach as we talk about, with, you know, nostalgically with our Brazilian um, counterparts. This is not going to happen. So when they come home, that's they're not going to do it. And even if they wanted to do it, they're not 10 other kids outside wanting to play with them at, in soccer at that particular moment. So that was that was one problem I saw. Another problem I saw is even when they did get a lot of touches in different type of training clinics and stuff, there's a lot of pressure. And I don't want to put a source on the pressure because I think it's a lot of pressure from different areas. There's a lot of pressure from parents indirectly, indirectly to see the coach doing something of value or what they perceive to be of value. There's pressure from um, just the limited amount of time the coaches have with the kids uh, to cover a lot of content. And then there is just, yeah, so those are the two big things. So then what that, what that basically means is I felt that when I took my sons to these clinics and these technical clinics, they were doing things that were too advanced for what they needed to be doing at the time. And my oldest one, especially if you're listening to this, you're going to know, is supremely advanced, right? He's supremely technical. So I'm saying that they would do things with him. And I'm like, yeah, he may be getting it, but that's probably not where he should be focusing. And if he is not getting it completely, then the other little girls and, and um, fellows are really not getting it. So I felt like there was a lot of pressure to be that they couldn't go. They that's a long way of saying they went too fast, right? They didn't spend enough time on some of these core skills that you need in order to excel, because either they're trying to get a lot done in a in a, a whole soccer curriculum done, or there's pressure to be perceived as doing more than what it is they need to do. Whatever the reason, they're going too fast. And the kids just don't have enough time to master any particular um, skill. And so then I use the analogy of chopping wood. You can hit a, a, a log a hundred times, but if you hit it in a hundred different places, the tree will probably not fall. But if you hit that um, log a hundred times in the same place, you're probably going to be able to make the tree fall. So I saw that as a problem. And then Another big, big problem is the parent-child relationship, all right? So you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that it's very difficult to work. It can be very difficult to work with your own child, especially when, again, you're trying to get them to get a lot of touches, right? Doing, again, relatively basic stuff and they don't necessarily want to do it. And so now they may be inclined to do it if there's an external person, but if you're the parent trying to get them to do this stuff, then it becomes that much more difficult. And I made so many mistakes along the way, especially with my older one that I knew that I needed to come up with a system that allowed him to get these extra touches that I'm talking about in a way 
that was um, equal to his ability level. So it went slow and, and through a progression. And it didn't drive him crazy, drive me crazy, or um, result in my yelling at him, result in him crying, result in all this stuff. So I needed a system and a process for doing that. And many of you who have spoken to me have said, yeah, yeah, Neil, I can't do what you do with my child because of blah, blah, blah. And I'm here to tell you that I'm actually no different than you. And I had to solve this problem for mine. And my children are no different than your children. It may appear that way, but I'm not more patient than you are. And they're not more disciplined than your children. It's just a process that we've created um, that makes the whole process more manageable and somewhat enjoyable. Okay, and then the final challenge I had is I didn't grow up playing soccer. So that means I don't have 5,000 um, drills swirling around in my head that I can just uh, regurgitate on a dime. So I had to spend a lot of time researching what I'm gonna do, how I'm gonna do it, blah, blah, blah. And then even if I did uh, have 5,000 drills in my head, again, there's no way to deliver this in a systematic way. So it's almost like the John Henry from that fable, the John Henry effect, where no matter how strong, big and strong and fast you are, you just cannot beat the machine, right? So what I used to do is type all this stuff out and then I would have Excel spreadsheets that would pull the different drills in and that way we stay systematic and that kind of, that's what I used to do. But then remember, I'd spend hours and hours on YouTube sort of cataloging this stuff. But again, I say that again to say no excuses. If you invest the time in doing this, you will learn how to do this stuff just like anybody else. That's what I had to do. I had never even touched a soccer ball until my uh, boy started playing. All right, so those are the, the problems that, um, those are some of the problems that I had to deal with. So, to combat that, I've come up with a process. And so the process is twofold. So it's one is process driven, and that's what you guys may see on the field. And then one is mindset driven. And that's where I'm afraid that many of us are not taking advantage of it. So our ch your children by default are learning the process that I'm using. They have to, if they're gonna be in a training environment with me. But it's the mindset part that I want us to really um, um, exploit. And in no way, shape, or form am I saying, hey, telling you how to raise your children, you can do whatever you want. But I am saying this mindset training that I have done, this quasi-mindset training that I have done with my boys seems to be working. Okay, so let's just talk about the process. So process driven number one they got to get a lot of touches right and i don't want them to be out there too long so they got to get a lot of touches and then the thing is and you'll see this with your children i need them to get mm, i haven't done the math on this but i'm going to throw a number out there three to four times more touches uh, in the session with me than they would get in a team environment i actually think it's a lot more than that but I actually, I'm having to overcompensate during the training sessions because they just don't get enough of these types of touches in the other environments that they operate in. At least that's not what I see. 
So what does that mean? That means number one, everything needs to be choreographed. And that's why I use the technology. So we know, and when, when I say choreograph, that means I know what's coming up next. And for the most part, the kids know, know what's coming up next or the children's, the children, excuse me, know what is coming up next. So we know when we start, um, we're gonna do some ball mastery, then we're gonna go to juggling, then we're gonna go to figure eight, then we're gonna go to five-star dribbling, then we're gonna go to line cone dribbling, then we're gonna go to passing, uh, then aerial control passing, then we're gonna go to, um, and if I had my phone out, but I've done this so much, I can kind of memorize it. Then we're gonna go to um, two cone ball mastery, then turns, then dribbling, then 1v1, and then we also have some fun games we do and some 1v1. So we do 1v1 moves and then we do some 1v1 against each other. And I'm adding, oh, and also fitness. So we do ladders, uh, ladders with ball mastery mix, some jump rope if, if we have time. I'm adding more circuit fitness and I'm adding a dynamic workout. So instead of starting with the 1000 touch ball mastery, they'll do the dynamic workout first. So what I'm saying is we never deviate from these modules. So in their mind, it's already framed. Boom, I'm going here, going here. So there's no more questions about what we're going to do. And then within the, each module, again, each video is broken down by one move. And then when they do the review video, it's the last three or four moves they just did. Again, we're not having long discussions about what they're doing. And by doing that move one time, sorry, five times in one video, they're getting, they're learning the taxonomy. They're learning, learning the terms and they're obviously learning the move. So they may bumble around at first and that's fine, but now they know what's coming up. They know what to expect. And you'd be amazed at doing, at how much improvement you can get from doing something for five minutes. Okay, and then like, like I said, by the time we get to review video, they're not looking at the phone, obviously, they just hear it. All right, you know, toe taps, inside take, boom, they know what to do. I know what to do. So that way I'm setting up the cones, I'm not thinking about it, boom. So we're getting maximum touches in the shortest amount of time, which then brings me to the second point. If I'm working with my own children, I'm not having to talk to them too much. Because again, the program starts off where they left off last time, number one, and they're doing the same different modules and based on the amount of time they wanna do. The next thing is I know I'm working with my own children. So if I push them too hard, they're gonna get annoyed. That's why all the videos, mainly less than five minutes and they're almost three minutes when you add in the breaks and the, um, the stop and starts. And that's important. So we do five minutes of ball mastery, then we do five minutes of juggling, then we do five minutes of um, line cones or whatever, and nothing is overwhelming for them. And they're not having to ask me a bunch of questions. Okay, so another problem I saw pretty early on, and with this problem, I'm gonna try to explain it and be measured. Um, and thoughtful, but at the same time be forthright. And the reason I'm phrasing it like that is because 
some of this really does depend on your personal situation. But remember, I'm speaking um, directly, or at least I dedicated this podcast to the parents of the children I train. And many of those parents listening, and they're going to laugh when they hear this, are my friends. And, I, and I'm familiar with their personal situation. So I feel comfortable putting this in the airways. And hopefully um, this will be relevant to someone else. So like many parents who didn't grow up playing soccer or even those who did play grow up playing soccer, once I saw that my child needed some supplemental training in order to uh, compete and, and do well in soccer, what did I do? I went and found personal trainers and I used several personal trainers in our local area. And these trainers, some guys, some girls, ex-players, ex-college players, you name it, ex-professionals, they were great for what they did, but I saw it wasn't going to be a total solution for what I wanted to do with my boys. And so why am I saying that? Well, we teed up one problem or I explained one problem that we had, that I had, which is they weren't getting maximum uh, touches and they didn't have opportunities to get a lot of touches. The team environment inherently is not designed to do that. And then when they went to clinics and so forth, they were getting a lot of touches. But again, as I said earlier, there wasn't this focus on each particular skill until they got it. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Some of them I mentioned, there's a lot of pressure for the coach to go fast. Parents are watching. Um, he, he or she has a lot of soccer curriculum to get through. And then there's also an element of differentiation. So that's a fancy way of saying one kid is just beginning. Another kid is advanced. The coach has to try to meet or the trainer has to meet somewhere in the middle. And I saw all of that happening um, when I would uh, send my children to all of these uh, different clinics. So like, again, most people, I thought, OK, well, I see these issues there. Let me um hire someone to give them one-on-one -on -one training and that will then help accelerate their growth in soccer but the first issue that i saw with all of them that i that i work with is they don't appear to see this maximum touches in the shortest amount of time as a dilemma that they're trying to solve or a problem they're trying to solve and it's of no fault to, of them. This is just something I have seen. That's why I'm doing the podcast. This is why I created the product, because this was something that I saw that was unique, that wasn't talked about enough. So it's no fault on them, but they did not perceive, they did not appear to perceive this as a problem. And so what that meant was I never felt like their sessions were as efficient as they could be because this is not a problem that they were focused on. And so they're there are two types of, when I say maximum touches, there's two or three layers to that. There's maximum touches in, in terms of how often you're on the field, okay? And then there's maximum touches in terms of the efficiency um, of that you utilize while you're on the field. And I don't feel like they looked at this situation as, I got an hour, I got an hour and a half, and we need to get 90, we're going to try to squeeze 95% of, of content into, we want the session, we want 95, let me say it like this, we want 95% of the session to be content 
wrench. I don't think they thought about it like that. And it's not my job to step in and say, hey, this is what I want you to do because I'm hiring you as an expert and I'm the parent. I don't even know what I'm doing anyway. So that's just not a good look for me to try to interject there. And it wouldn't have been helpful anyways. And then there's a logical reason for that as well, because your trainer is has to try to, in most cases, build rapport and build a relationship with the child, right? You can't have a child come there on day one, doesn't know your name, doesn't trust you, whatever, and immediately you just start running them through um, a battery ram of drills. Now, that's actually what I do in my clinic, but again, most of the people are my friends and they know the deal. And they and, and we explain it to the kids that um, that's how we're gonna do things. And with the younger ones, it takes them a couple of months to, for it to really sink in. For the older ones, they understand immediately that I am there as a facilitator. I Talking to me is like talking to yourself. Asking me a question is almost like asking yourself a question. Now, I'm being, a, I'm exaggerating a little bit. Of course, I teach them some things at the very beginning, especially, and then I point out things. But again, I'm really pointing out things. I know it's really, I'm getting really philosophical, but I'm pointing out things that I want them to notice about themselves almost as a facilitator. And even that, I'm very judicious because I happen to believe the repetitions will, um, take care of a lot of the issues they have, assuming they're already operating in a soccer environment and they're getting a lot of soccer instruction. And we're gonna talk about um, doing things wrong in another podcast, but I just wanna throw that out. So, so, so therefore the trainer has to spend a percentage of that time building a relationship with your child, motivating your child, playing with your child, making it engaging, engaging with your child. Well, as the parent, I do that 23 hours a day already i'm already engaging my children playing with my children having fun with my children building a relationship with my children so on the pitch i'm explaining to my children hey this is the time that we need to squeeze as much juice out of this thing as we can and so i'm saying that to say so that when you bring your child to my clinic you're not bringing them to train with me in that way you're bringing them for me to a to do the same things I do with my children because I'm a one trick pony in this regard. And so, um, so that's, that was another issue. Then there's the obvious elephant in the room of cost, right? So even if you have the most amazing trainer and you guys were a hundred percent aligned, there's a cost element to it. Right. And the problem is the amount of touches that they need. So we talked about the efficiency within the session, but then we also, the length of time, to get these extra touches, it would probably be prohibitively expensive to uh, hire someone to give you these amount of touches uh, at some hourly rate. I remember there was a story on a, on a Sky News or somewhere in Europe, in London, where a really wealthy family hired a trainer to live with them. And, and the trainer lived with them. It was like a nanny, but also trained their child. I think that's as crazy as that sound, that would almost be what it would take if, if you're going to hire somebody to get the amount of touches that my children get, which brings me to another point. So when my children get these touches, I'm a big believer in micro lessons. Number one, doing a little bit um, at a time. 
And number two, I don't want every time they have to work on their individual skills for it to be a full-blown session. And what does that mean? It's got to be an hour, right? And we got to travel somewhere, right? And we got to meet someone and all this stuff. And then presumably when they meet a trainer, you want them to give maximum effort where sometimes for me, I just wanted them to do maintenance, maintenance work. So I didn't want a situation where every time they did a session, it had to be an hour, had to be an hour and a half. I wanted to be able to squeeze in five minutes here, 10 minutes there. And that just was not practical with the trainer. And then also, is the trainer going to come to your yard and run around and chase your kid, right? So you have the fun element there that you as a parent are missing out if you outsource 100% of their soccer development or any development to someone else. Then we kind of talked about it, but I want to be crystal clear. I had to work around their schedules. So I'm busy. My children are busy. And now the um, now the trainers are busy because they're coaching and they're doing working with other kids as well. And they have their own lives. But the consistency was extremely important. So if the trainer couldn't make it on this date, it couldn't be a situation where we just said, OK, next week, we'll just we'll meet you next week. Because if you ever have the opportunity to work with people and teach people something, especially a skill like uh, soccer, you see that forget about days, minutes matter. Like, you know, I actually sometimes push our training sessions to 15 minutes over because those 15 minutes make a huge difference. Five minutes make a huge difference. So to go a week or two weeks not engaged in a training session because the trainer is on vacation just wasn't an option based on what we were trying to do. And that's why, again, I say a lot of this is based on your own personal situation. But for me, teaching my boys this process and the kids that I train this process is so important that we're consistent so that they get it through their head that the process doesn't change. And the next thing, and this is a um, sort of philosophical controversial difference that I have that most of the people in the soccer community um, I talk to don't have. And I think part of that is, and I talked about it in another podcast because they're looking at it rightfully so from the coach's perspective. And I'm looking at it from a very narrow parent trainer perspective, but in the foundation phase, and I would argue past the foundation phase in the development phase, definitely before you become anything, before you get you know, high teens, for the most part, and there are some exceptions, um, kids need to work on basically the same things. If you're listening to me, if you listed out what you consider to be your child's weaknesses, and I listed out what I consider to be my child's weaknesses, for the most part, I think they will be a carbon copy. If you listed out the things that you think your eight-year-old needs to work on. And I listed out the things that I think my eight-year-old needs to work on. For the most part, I think that would be a carbon copy. And so what that so what that means is as a parent trainer and as a professional who is looking at this thing, I said, you know what? I can create a process that is, you know, wa- uh, wear, wash, rinse, recycle, do it again. And once I establish this process, we're just constantly doing this stuff and slowly building on it in a progression. This is way before any time soccer training. This is how I thought about it. 
And then I knew, boy, if I created this process for my older one, it's going to be that much easier for my younger one. As a matter of fact, my younger one has a totally different personality for my, than my older one. So this process was even more important because he needed a little bit more structure uh, to follow, right? So, so not to get into the weeds. So, and, it, and it's based on this assumption that what my younger one is going to need when what my younger one will need to do when he is 10 is what my older one was doing when he is 10 was 10 excuse me and what my younger one is doing did at seven is what my older one needed to do at seven and then when the kids come to my clinic or the clinic whatever what they need to do at eight is the same thing my son needs to do at eight and so then we're just getting into their ability to execute. And then if they are 11 and they have not done what my sons did when they were six, they need to start there. So they need to start at the part of the curriculum that's for six-year-olds and work all the way through um, and not even give it any thought. And by doing this, there are some trade-offs, right? So we lose a little bit of the individuality. We lose a little bit of the uh, customization. We lose some of the differentiation we talked about, but we save a tremendous amount of time. And again, our focus is very, very narrow. I happen to, and this is a unique problem for me. And that's why I'm saying you guys have to, we talk about it on Facebook. Don't think most trainers that I have dealt with, or most people, they don't, I don't think they see it that way. So I think they think they need to see your eight-year-old or see your nine-year-old, do a few things and, okay, let me see what you need to work on. And then I'm going to build something for you. And then next week, we're going to do something different. And this week, we're going to, and I think some of that you have to do, because if they don't, it's going to be completely boring to them as well. Uh, and you don't, and they don't want that, and it's not going to be engaging and fun. And then it goes back to that. Also, that pressure of, boy, you worked on this last week. Why are you working on this this week? Which again, I explained to my parents that we're going to work on this until we get it. Uh, and I'm very comfortable with that because your child has their whole soccer life to get this stuff. Um, and this is a very small piece of hopefully their whole soccer experience. But I don't think they think that way. And that was a problem for me. And part of the motivation behind creating a program that made it systematic for me is just a tool. And let me just take a step back to say, this is just a tool that we use within an entire soccer, I guess you say soccer experience. So you still got the free play. You still got the team environment. You still got trainers doing specialized stuff if that's what you need them to do. And I, I will say, and so then I saw the biggest value add for a trainer is going to be specialized training that would be quite difficult for me to do um, to get that perfect technique or that correct technique. So some specialized training there and then also just to motivate my child and listen to my child, express things um, about themselves, express things about them, their team that they don't, won't feel comfortable uh, talking to me about. I thought that was a good value add for the trainer. Um, I also think a good value add for the trainer will be to watch my child playing games and point things out to my child who is gonna be willing to listen to the trainer that may or may not be well received from me. So I think there are a loads of value with trainers, but 
the getting the maximum touches, that low-hanging fruit stuff, I just didn't feel like that was where the value add was going to be for what we were trying to do. And then I felt like if you didn't bring, and, and we'll talk about this on the Facebook group as well, but if you didn't have these requisite skills going into the training, you may be missing some of the most valuable um, parts of what they can bring to the table. So I'm, I'm rambling on a little bit, but I just want to be clear about, I'm not saying trainer, you don't need a trainer. You do. I use trainer. I am a trainer. It kind of sounds funny. I'm telling the people that of the kids I train that, yes, you can bring them to me, but you also need to do these other things as well. But I am saying the biggest value add for it comes from people who actually have played this game at a high level and know what, um, know what they're doing. It's probably not dribbling through cones. It's probably not getting your child to check over your shoulder. That's probably not their biggest value. Their biggest value is explaining to your child what it takes down the road, watching your child play, giving your child some specialized training, motivating your child and all that other stuff. And so then I'll end the part on the trainer piece to say, hey, real talk, it's hard work to work with any child and teach any child anything especially teaching them something that they don't particularly want to learn in that way. It's even harder work to work with your own child and teach them something that they don't want to do in, in, their, in their own way. I mean, in that way. And it's even harder to get them to be consistent and blah, blah, blah. I hear all the excuses. But for you guys to really get the most out of what they do with me, get the most out of what they do in a team environment, get the most out of soccer, they need to do a little bit of this stuff at home. And forget about any time soccer training, forget about deliberate practice, forget about all that stuff. If you just go out there and play with them, have them go do moves against them, engage with them, ask them what are they learning, what do they want to work on, no coaching, no nothing. If all you did was say, hey, 15 minutes, guys, I mean, child, whatever, Johnny, we're going to go out there and let's see if you can beat me. Let's see if you can beat me with your right foot. Let's see if you can beat me with your left foot. I'm going to chase you. Let's see if you can uh, get away from me. Forget about the cones. Forget about this. Forget about that. If that is all, all you did, your child would be happier, better at soccer. You guys will have a better relationship. The stuff I'm talking about is um, – above and beyond if you want them to be really technical and really excel at this thing. So I'm imploring you to, um, to take heed to this particular part of the message. And finally, we talked about I didn't grow up playing soccer. Well, every single thing is laid out for me. And guess what? If I see something, if I see, I just did a film session this morning. If I see drills being done, or I go on YouTube and see drills being done, we go out into the field and we film it, okay? Because I probably won't make any money on this thing anytime soon. But, and most of the people who use the product haven't even gotten past, you know, the first few Ballmaster videos. But I use this thing to train my own boys. So I needed to be completely and utterly comprehensive. And it just frustrates me so much, not in a, I'm not really frustrated, but obviously when I'm out in uh, the fields, you know, training my kids, I see other parents train theirs and they're 
bumbling around on their phone, doing this, doing that, doing all these, making all of these mistakes I made 10 years ago. And I give them a card and say, please check it out. Of course they don't. And I'm just begging them to check it out because I've been there and I know it's hard. They can't believe that everything would be in a phone, but I really have um, put everything they need to do in a, in the phone. So that's the process. So that's why we're able to do hour and a half and I've been pushing it, guys. And again, I'm talking to the guys in the clinic. I've been pushing it to an hour 45 because when you get more kids, they get more rest breaks and they need to get these touches. And that's why we're able to do an hour and a half, hour 45 minutes. And it doesn't appear that it um, drives the kids crazy. I had one, e someone email me and says, man, you, you, can, you really do a training session with your young kids an hour and a half? I'm like, yes. Why? They know what's coming up. It has frequent breaks. There's a break every time I have to switch videos. Knowing what you have to do and knowing how long it's going to take and only doing that thing for five minutes has a psychological effect that allows the kids to stay locked in longer. I don't know what it is. I don't know why, but it works. So that's that. All right. So that's the process stuff. But here is the growth mindset stuff that I just feel so many of us are missing and the reason why I want to jump on this podcast. And so let me be very, let me be very clear. When your kids come to the clinic and halfway through the clinic or midway through the clinic, I always ask them the same question. Am I doing something that you cannot do at home? And hopefully, hopefully they're not lying to me, but hopefully the answer is no, no, no coach. Everything you're doing with me now, we can do at home. And in addition to that, I have given you the tool to do it. And if you're listening to this and you don't have the app, please email me and I'll, I'll sort you out. I'm giving you the tools to do it. And I'm telling them, even if you do one of these videos for five minutes at home, it's going to make your experience here more important, uh, more beneficial. And I'll go on to tell them, and I'm going to tell you guys now, the most important time is what is it, the most important part, I should say, of their development is what they do on their own. You are completely and utterly missing the plot if you bring your child to me to train and they're not doing this stuff at home. Yes, they will get better but you're missing the most important part, which is if you want to be good at something, you gotta do stuff when no one is watching. And if doing a little bit, five minutes here, 10 minutes there, it's so painful for you when no one's watching, it's so painful for you. You just cannot invest this type of time in the, into this particular activity. We need to find an activity that you, that you are willing to put some work in when no one else is watching. So the mindset training that I do with my older son, and I'm starting to do it with my younger one, but definitely doing it with my older son, which I encourage you to listen to in the podcast, is to say, number one, the buck starts with you. Mommy and daddy are not going to get you there. Coach Neil is not going to get you there. Coach so-and-so is not going to get there, get you there. It starts with you. And the training that coach Neil, I can say the training that coach Neil is providing to you 
I'm not teaching you soccer. I don't even know soccer. So I'm definitely not teaching you soccer. Yes, I have some tips. Yes, I have some observations. I'm four times older than most of you. So I, just some things that I know that you don't know. Yes, I can impart that on you. Yes, I take what I do seriously. So I educate myself and about soccer so I can teach you something. But at the end of the day, I don't know soccer as good as any of your coaches. The, so what I'm trying to say to you is I am teaching you a process of self-improvement. I am teaching you how to get better at something on your own. So that means, especially when you get older, you're going to go to the field and all your little friends are going to get in front of the goal and kick the ball with their strong foot 50 times from 30 yards away, something that rarely happens in the real game. And you got to have the courage to say, hey, guys, we're going to do that, but let's do these drills for 15 minutes as well. Let's do these drills for 15 minutes, and then we're going to go and kick the ball 100 times with our, with, our, with our dominant foot, with our friends. I am trying to teach you a process to um, – for you to get better on your own. And the process that my son, my older son uses and my younger son to a lesser extent and my older son has bought into is we will never show up to someone else's training having not invested in ourselves first. This is sacrilegious to us. And I hope, well, sacrilegious to me, I, I think he, he'll be fine with it. But I hope that when he gets older, he will say to me, there is no way I'm going to show up to, and get trained by somebody else without having spent 10 or 15 minutes investing in myself on my own. That's number one. Number two is if I'm not too tired after the training, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, I'm going to invest another five and 10 minutes on my own. Okay. I am going to use idle time wisely. And I'm going to do another podcast where we talk about our, our um, overall strategy. But what I want you to really take away from this, and I'm rambling, is, and the parents who are watching, are listening to this, I really want you to take away from this. I am not teaching your children soccer. I am teaching them how to train themselves. And I'm giving them a tool uh, to do so because they're too young to do it on their own. And even if they weren't too young to do it on their own, it would be hard. So I'm giving them a tool to do so. And if you're not taking advantage of this tool, then you're missing the most important part of our relationship, right? That's the, that's the mindset. And then the process part is, I'm giving them four, three, four, five, five, six, I don't even know the number, times more touches in a single training session than they're probably going to get all week. But in order to do that, there has to be a level of structure. There has to be a level of transparency. There has to be a level of understanding. And there has to be a level of focus on very specific things. So when you come to me, the understanding is the things that I don't work on, you're getting somewhere else. And I'm very transparent about that. All right. So I'm going to send this out to you guys. 
please listen. Let's chat about it. And for the folks listening on um, in the uh, airways, I'm going to post this into the Facebook group as well. So let's just talk about it. You know, it's just some free thought from uh, Neil, the soccer dad. Um, again, if you haven't checked out anytime-soccer.com, do that as well. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. Let's get better together.